The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Hate to start the show off with deception like that. We are not at the Living Bread Studios in Canton, Ohio. We are in Birmingham, Alabama. Bamra? Got that, Tom? Bamra? This is the hotel. Is it a Hyatt? What, uh, What exactly is this? It is a Hyatt Regency, Hyatt Regency slash the Winfrey Hotel because it was because it was known as the Winfrey Hotel for many many years, uh, so people still call it the Winfrey. So it's now the Hyatt Regency slash Winfrey Hotel. So I can tell people, in all honesty, that uh, <clears throat> I've been on the Winfrey Show. Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. Sure. This is this. In fact, I used to do Oprah, but that was way way back. Good to have you with me on the Doctor Is In. The number to call to get onto the program. 877-573-7825. Now, it's going to take you a little longer to get onto the program because we're several states away. Now, even though these signals travel at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, probably be a nanosecond or two longer. I don't think you'll notice it, but uh, <clears throat> I have a little more time to think about what I'm going to say because we're four states away. 877-57-EQUAL. We are at the radio conference, the uh, annual EWTN radio conference. A lot of the affiliates come in. It's wonderful to see a lot of folks that I've met over the years. So, to begin the program, if you have a question about something in your life, somebody in your life, circumstances, situation that is flummoxing you, bothering you, upsetting you, Perhaps we can put our two heads together. We can bring your IQ onto the line and bring all 106 points of my IQ onto the line and see what we can do. This is not David Anders' call to communion. Uh, David's got me by about 70, 75 IQ points. But that's okay. I make up for it with using a lot of words. So, if you have a question about the faith as it intersects with psychology, the world give a call. If you have advice that you think might be helpful to someone else, 877-57-EQUAL, or generic advice, anything that you've learned about life, about kids, about marriage, about family, about faith, about living well, call in. We've had some great insights on this program. Not unusually, a parent will come to my office regarding the behavior of an 8, 10, 12, 15-year-old. I will ask them to describe this child. And typically when we talk, we talk in trait language. They might say oppositional, unruly, 
argumentative, defiant, <clears throat> strong-willed. That's how they'll describe this child because that's how this child acts with them. I will then ask after they've described the child, what does the school say? Now, if the child is not homeschooled, the child goes to Catholic, private, public school, I would say there's an inverse relationship. Under about age 10, most of the time I will hear, I don't understand this. The school doesn't see any of this. I went to a recent parent-teacher conference, and I asked the teacher, how is he? And she said, oh, he's wonderful. I wish I had a whole classroom full of him. He's cooperative, he's pleasant, he's delightful. Does he, does he give you any discipline problem? No, no, not at all. He's a delightful young man. And I'll ask the parents, how do you account for this? You described your son as oppositional, as strong-willed, as high-maintenance, as difficult, unruly, challenging. Why does none of this show itself at school? And they are perplexed. Some will say, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to work on my approach, my discipline skills. And much of the time, that is the case. Or they'll have no explanation. They'll say, I don't know why he acts one way with me and something completely different with someone else. I can't explain that. Now, sometimes they give the standard answer that's pretty cliche, which is, do you suppose he holds it in all day? And then when he gets home, he has to erupt. And usually I'll say, no, nope, no, nope, I don't think so. I think he knows the differences in the speed limits. But there's a certain irony here. Now think about this a second. A teacher does not have the authority of a parent. Not at all. Parents control much, much, much more of the environment than a teacher does. Unless you're a big Catholic homeschooling family and you have 24 children, the teacher has to manage more children in that classroom than you have to manage at home. You may have three kids, she has 22. So she has a fraction of your authority, she has seven times the number of children, and yet she does not see this kind of behavior from this child. What's going on? How do you explain this? I'll give you a simple explanation. Personality is not consistent. We speak in traits. He's strong-willed. She's honest. He's shy. She's talkative. We speak in traits. And the implication of traits is that they kind of show themselves across all situations, no matter who you're with, no matter the context, no matter the challenges. They are consistent across traits. I'm sorry, situations. They're not. Don't you have people who really, really like you? And if you ask them to describe you, you would just love reading their report. I love being around her. She's such a pleasant lady. 
She's complimentary. She's always upbeat. She's delightful. You would read accolade after accolade thinking, wow, I'm pretty special. And then you ask somebody who doesn't like you to write that same report. Well, she's kind of edgy. You have to watch what you say around her. She's she's hyper fragile in her emotions. Now, how is it that these two people see you so radically differently? Are you a different person? No. The context, the interaction with each human being brings out different conduct in you. It brings out different conduct in your kid. That's why you grandparents listening will say, well, their five-year-old is giving them a lot of grief, but when he's here at our house, we have no problems with him. We have none. Why? It's a different setting. It's a different context. You interact with him differently than they do. He reads them differently than he reads you, and his behavior reflects that. One of the biggest misconceptions about personality is that a trait pretty much is the same across all situations. Oh, Dr. Ray, he's, a, he's an outgoing guy. Uh, not always. There are situations where if you looked at me, you'd say, he's, he's an awful quiet sort of fella. He's kind of shy. Because of the situation. So given that, don't let it throw you for a loop when you get different reports about your child's conduct from different people. If, in fact, though, the child is most difficult for you, you got to look at yourself. you got to say, what is it about how I'm handling this child that is making him show me his worst? Now, some might say, well, you know, Dr. Hoyer, hold on a second here. The Christian needs to have certain consistent virtues across situations. You don't want to be honest in one situation and dishonest in another. You don't want to be moral in one situation and immoral in another. That's right, you don't. But those are virtues. They're not necessarily personality traits. Personality traits may have nothing to do with virtues. It's not immoral to be shy. I used to deal with kids in Head Start, consulted to Head Start for many years. Every so often, we'd get a kid who would not talk at all, zero, zip, nada, wouldn't say a word to the teacher, wouldn't say a word to other kids. He was referred to me. Mostly it was a girl, by the way. It's hard to believe, I know, but most of the time it was a girl because the girls tend to be a little more shy, a little more uncertain of themselves at that age. Boys are a little more straight into the world. I'd interview the parents. Parents would say, he does nothing but not talk at home. He never shuts up at home. So I knew I wasn't dealing with a psychological issue. I knew I was dealing with kind of a social sense of insecurity. But in one environment, nothing. Mute. In another environment, jabbermouth. How is that? Again, you can't say... He's just a shy kid because he's not a shy kid at home. Personality traits manifest themselves in very different ways. And so when you say you got a kid who's strong-willed and you're hearing from other people they don't see that, you got to put the mirror on yourself. 877-573-7825 is the number to call to get onto the program. I definitely want to hear from you because without you, I just keep talking. 
<clears throat> you really want that? The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I went to Las Vegas years and years ago for one of these cable shows. And, and I was uh, shocked to see all these old ladies in their 70s and 80s getting off that plane, running for a slot machine. You don't have a chance to win. They're all fixed. I know, my uncle used to have slot machines. <laughs> EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord, Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Rice, she makes things run around here. She is the bowels of the organization. Uh, maybe that's not a good image. Anyway, <laughs> what? I am the ascending colon. <laughs> it's good to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Program Doctor is in. We are here at the Winfrey Hotel. You know, I used to do Oprah Winfrey. I did it several times, as a matter of fact. And then she hooked up with Dr. Phil, who had been involved with her in a more personal way. And then I kind of faded from the scene, which is just as well for me because I got tired of going to Chicago anyway. And I got a much greater privilege, which is to be part of EWTN, where I can talk about God and I can talk about the things of the faith and I can talk about infinity. And I can have a worldview that I'm allowed to speak about clearly as opposed to secular media where, yeah, can be kind of squishy. Oh, yeah, there's a higher power. And, um, you know, God is kind of whom we all decide he. Well, you can't say he. Uh, it. Well, I don't know if you say it. Anyway, 877-573-7825. We're having a little trouble here because of all the intricacies of being in the Winfrey and making everything work. I don't know what we got there. Let's see what we got. Uh, call here from Susan. Susan is calling from Kansas City. Sarah. I, Sarah. Is that Sarah? Oh, it is Sarah. Where are my glasses? 
And I don't even know if she's calling from Kansas City. She could be calling from New York. I don't know. I can't see it. But anyway, Sarah's calling from Kansas City. And I think that my talk about Head Start with some of the kids that would have been, they would have been diagnosed as selective mutism is the scary sounding name for it. But Sarah says, okay, Dr. Ray, I got a four-year-old with something similar. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Dr. Ray. Now, what's um, this four-year-old saying or not saying? So um, I have a, she's, she's pretty much, they, they call it nonverbal. She has apraxia. Um, which is like, like a disconnect between the brain knowing it and then the mouth saying it. Um, so I have her in, in speech therapy, and we've, we've just started. Um, but she's always, because of her communication issues, like been more prone to not listening and, and in tantrums and um, th that type of behavior, behavioral issues. Um, and we had a particular bad speech class where she was just kind of all over the place and not listening. And the therapist recommended um, two different therapies. One was care, which is kind of for a parent and it's, it's all, it's virtual and two, two different, um, uh, you, you do it online. And the other one was this parent child interaction, which is a little more um, in depth. It's, it's 16 to 20 sessions and it's the parent and child. And I was wanting your take on if that's something that would be beneficial. Let's ask a couple of questions here, Sarah. Sometimes when a child doesn't have any expressive language at age four, there are other developmental delays. Is that the case with your daughter? Crawled, Crawled on, on time. She walked on time. She was able... Um, basically all of her other milestones were hit right on the mark. I should let you know too, she's, she's also my 11th. So I've been through this, um, you know, and I kind of know like when, you know, they, they should hit their marks and everything. Um, so everything else she's hit. The development of language, say for example, at age two, when she's putting two-word sentences together, did she do that? No. Is there any way in the assessments that you took that anybody attempted to give her at least a rough IQ estimate, even though she can't express herself verbally, there's other ways they can do it. Did they try to do that? No, we, we, no, we have not thing I would suggest. You've got to find out overall if this lack of speech is connected to an overall lack of cognitive development. Does she comprehend at a four-year-old level, you being a mom of 11, have an experience of what four-year-olds understand, does she comprehend you at a four-year-old level? Yes, yes. She, she's She's very smart. She, she understands everything we say, um, even if she doesn't listen to it. What's your little girl's name, sir? Mary. If you were to say, <clears throat> Mary, you need to go yes, into that Mary. room and you need to pick up your toys and pick up three of them and bring them to me. 
Could she do that? Yes. Okay, so she would know three. Yes. Okay, well, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So the question becomes, let's see where she is developmentally. That's, what, that's the one thing you got to do. Secondly, regarding her conduct, have you been told to, quote, unquote, expect these outbursts because she's frustrated because she can't express herself? No. Good. Well, that's good to hear that. I would, have, I would have expected as a standard approach, which is, okay, she's going to throw these eruptions because she really can't express herself, she doesn't know how to say it, and therefore she gets frustrated easily. She hasn't been told that. No. Um, and, and really the speech, we, we had her hearing checked and a, like a, a speech evaluation, and then the speech is kind of the first thing we've, we've done. Um, so, so she hasn't seen a whole lot of quote-unquote specialist for for this get all no nothing zero zip nada not a mom not a please not a thank you nothing oh oh i'm sorry um what did you ask does she talk at all she talk at all yes she she can say like mama dada um you know like little phrases like night night mom night night dad um please she can say please but the the rest, like if you say, oh, here, say Apple or, or say buy, she can't she can't say it on demand, so to speak. Okay, obviously, sir, I can't do a diagnosis from here. But the first thing that is coming to my mind is that this is a reflection of some kind, and we not be able to identify it. Most developmental delays, you can't identify of some type of overall developmental delay. And the fact that we're saying, okay, that this is a very isolated, uh, expressive type of problem, uh, it, it, it doesn't sound like it, just given a couple other things you said. So the one thing I would want to do is I would, I would try to find out, and you, could, you can get this done, you can explore her overall level of intellectual developmental status. You can do that. Okay. So let's do this. And if if you come up with an age two something, that, that would explain some of this language problem. Definitely. Okay. okay. Secondly, let's even assume that she's developmentally two or two and a half. You would still have to deal with the temper fits. You would, you would have to, as a parent, teach her this is not acceptable. So that if, in fact, you've been a little unsure of yourself, because you're not really sure the extent of these delays and, and what they all are, it can make you tentative in your approach in teaching her, because what will happen is now you're going you're gonna to live through a lot of these eruptions because you're not really sure. You know, your, your other kids, yeah, you stood them in a corner. They got it. You know, mom stood you in a corner six times. You didn't throw a fit anymore, or at least you threw less. But this little one, uh, it doesn't seem like it's registering. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, it, that's very accurate. Well, then that would indicate a bit of an overall developmental delay. So the question you have to ask yourself is, Given 
what I assess her to be functioning at, because your mom, you know better than anybody. Is it time to start being a little more consistent in dealing with this behavior? Okay. But you, you find out regarding the overall development. That's, that's big. When, when you don't have language up to a certain point, most of the time that indicates some type of overall developmental delay. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. I'll talk to you. What do we got there, Tom? Anybody? Nothing. I can't believe this. Okay, guys, listen. Here's the deal. I know I get emails. People say, well, I've already got this email because I can't get through. Well, now you can. My boss is sitting right next to me. I want him to think I'm really in demand, popular dude. People have questions. So look, just, all right, here's what you do. Just call in anyway and just hang on the line. So it looks like all kinds of people are calling me. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the preborn are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions, but it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. Can you imagine receiving a phone call from your child's roommate while they are away at college telling you that your son or daughter had an accident and has been admitted to the emergency room, but they don't know anything more? In a panic, you call around the hospitals asking about your child. However, instead of being helped, you are told they cannot share information with you because of HIPAA privacy. You are terrified, worried sick for your child. How do you prevent this situation from happening to you? A healthcare durable power of attorney. This legal document will appoint you as their healthcare agent, granting you the rights to all information in an emergency and to make medical decisions on their behalf. As soon as you're able to, you need your child to sign these documents in order to prevent the nightmarish situation we've just discussed. They must be signed, stored, and easy to access so that you can have them at your fingertips the moment disaster strikes. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In at the Winfrey Hotel. Winfrey. Kind of sounds like some kind of psychological approach to kids. Think about this. We have to set up a win-win scenario. No, we're going to play sports, but it's a new league. It's a win-free league. Doesn't sound that way, doesn't it? Kind of just, just, okay, when you have loose association like I do, 
You do. You just have loose association. Yeah, yeah. These things just hit me. So it's very hard for me to keep up a conversation with somebody because they'll say something and my mind will go off in another direction. So win free would be like a participation award. Absolutely. Okay. By the way, you know, just, do we have uh, got some folks here Yep. want to talk to me? Okay. Thank you. By the way, I did want to say this, and I, I, we're having a little trouble with the break thing, and I don't know if I was uh, cut off. However, I mentioned, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, that my boss is sitting right next to me. And he, he's not subtle. He is not subtle. He pulls out the contract. And the contract has, there's an out clause in the contract, and, and he, they have to give me a notice. They have to give me a notice to fire me. And it's a one-hour notice. That's real. I didn't notice that the last time, but it's one hour, which is roughly the show. <laughs> roughly the show, not counting breaks. So you have to have at least four people that you talk to during a program. Oh, he's got a picture of his wife there on that. Uh, that's beautiful. Lovely young lady. You're over, you're over-checked. I'll tell you what. All right. So I need you to call in, and you don't even have to have a question or problem. Just call in and say, hi, Dr. Ray, or anything like that. Um, oh, this is good. This, this could help me. Lisa from Florida has a comment. Now, two things usually happen when someone has a comment on a previous call. One, they've had a similar situation. Or two, in fact, they are a speech pathologist who says, okay, Dr. Ray, I'm going to straighten you out. Hi, Lisa. Good afternoon, Dr. Ray. How are you? You have a, a speech pathology degree experience, or do you have a four-year-old or kid who went through this? No, actually, I'm a dental hygienist, and I found, because I had some babysitting experience, I'm an older mother of a child who is now in college. And I found for myself, and I tell a lot of parents when they have little ones, do sign language with them because their words, they cannot get speak the word. The tongue cannot, they know what they want to say, but their tongue can't form the word. So if they can sign language it, it's, it makes the transition of them being frustrated to not to tell you what they want to be able to tell you until they are able to tell you, you know, kind of thing. That, and I found my son very receptive to that. And I had very few temper tantrums, uh, the two-year-old temper tantrums, because he, he was able to tell me what he wanted. How detailed did you get in sign language? Well, I took sign language back in, in uh, my younger years with a girlfriend. We took two years of sign language, and, of course, she's moved away, and now I have no one to sign language with. But, but I know some of the sign language signs still. My mother knew sign language because when I, when I would uh, ask for something else, she would just wave bye-bye. Um, and I just, I just assumed that she was telling me <laughs> to get out. You know, what you say is very good, and it typically is a broad-based developmental suggestion, which means that for a lot of little kids, you're right, they can't get the words out. Now, they... It sounds like a little different from what our previous caller was from Sarah, because Sarah's little yeah. girl was not struggling to get the words out because she was excited or she was unable to express something out of frustration. You know, the little kid, mom, that kind of thing. That's not what was happening with Sarah's little girl. Sarah's little girl was just not having the language. But what you say if a parent wants to go that extra mile, I'm impressed. I'm truly impressed. I'm impressed with you. I just have one question here. Sure, sure. Does your son still know sign language? He does. 
You, that's that, that look you know, when they're away from the room, in the corner of the room, and they look at you, meaning they want to go somewhere, but you, you, you know, if you, you know, parents usually go, they shake their head. Well, I just put my sign language sign up, and I go no, and I give them the one finger, come and talk to me, and because that's just what you know. It's uh, you know, I just I want to know where he's going, what he's going to do with his friends and stuff, and. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to. It's, you know, it's just, yeah. You didn't realize you you were doing this. In your sign language, in your quick one, one indication, one gesture response, you weren't arguing with him. (laughs) I'm an older mom. There's no arguing. What I say goes, and the police better get there before mommy gets there. Now, see, that is spoken like a mom back from a generation or two who really wasn't nervous about the fact that I'm in charge, kid. I love you, but this is the way it is. Well, the last, last thing yes. he was 10, and about five minutes after I, he had was gone to his room and stayed in his room, and, and I said, you can come out now. He came right over and snuggled right up to me, and, um, you know, I knew he was sorry, and he knew... I meant what I said, and he, he's, he's a pretty good kid. Really is. Sounds like you had a sweet kid there. Lisa, thank you so much for the call, dear. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you. See, I'm giving her signs, and she can't see it. She can't see my signs. Anything to take care of? Okay, nothing to take care of. You know, this is very quiet. This doesn't typically happen. So what we do, and I've said this routinely on the program... You call in any time, you have about an equal chance of getting on. We don't take callers necessarily in chronological order. There's a lot of factors and go behind the judgment on who gets on the air quickest. Sometimes it's a call we haven't had for a while. Sometimes it's a unique situation. Sometimes there's a certain urgency to it. Sometimes it's someone commenting on someone else. Helpful. All right, so we got a couple here. Let me look at this. I can't see this, Tom. All right. Okay, we, apparently we tapped into something that a lot of parents deal with, with the development of language, both expressive and, ex, and uh, receptive. And this is Julie, Julie from Omaha, Spirit Catholic Radio Turf. Hi, Julie. Hi, Dr. Ray, how are you? Yeah, nothing gaining on me that I know of. Stuff can gain on you and you don't know about it, but I can't see anything gaining on me. Wonderful. Hey, I was calling, I'm a teacher in the public school system that um, has a school where we teach the deaf and hard of hearing with low or no voice. And so they are what is categorized as severe and profound. And I guess my suggestion, my first suggestion always is when we have kindergartners who come to our school that have had very little language contact, um, is to have their hearing checked. Start with a visit to the audiologist or even just, you know, ask the doctor for a recommendation because a lot of times kids have hearing a loss, even if it's a mild or a moderate hearing loss, family doesn't know about it, can't figure out why the child really isn't speaking, um, and then come to find out the child needs a hearing aid. Or, I mean, you know, it could be more drastic, like a cochlear implant could be the end result. But I would say start with a simple hearing test. Is phenomenal advice. Did you hear that Sarah mentioned that? She said we had her hearing tested. No, I didn't hear the whole call. I'm sorry. I, I should not have wasted your time, but I just wanted to... Um, press no, you know why you didn't waste my time? I'll tell you why. 
Oh, shoot, there's a break. Stay through on the break because I want to comment on some things you said. Can you do that for me, Julie? This is Dr. Ray. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The virtue of purity and holy chastity is certainly a very important thing, but I think we can misunderstand this beatitude. As human beings in our fallen state, we tend to love things and use people, but we're meant to use things and love people. We can manipulate in relationships and we can try to control other people and we can focus on other people as objects. But to be pure in heart is to be in love, and ultimately to be pure in heart and to be happy is to be in love with God himself as well. This beatitude calls us to have a focus on being open to choosing God, choosing life, to choose love. If God is not the ultimate end of our desires and our hopes and dreams, we will be the saddest of people. Let's say yes to God and choose his way, be focused on his love and pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, that all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. I don't know. I could put it in a way that it's somewhat pejorative. Oh, you people are either kind-hearted, not wanting me to lose my job, or you're sheep. That's all. You're just sheep. My boss here, who said if I don't handle four calls per hour, the contract is null and void, he just crumpled up the contract because there are just a boatload of people there that want to talk to me. But I'm still talking to Julie. Julie, you still there? Yes. couple of things. Did you hear me ask Sarah if she were to tell her little girl, can you go into that other room and pick up three of your toys and bring them to me? Did you hear me ask her that question? No, I did not. You know what I'm thinking here, Julie? I'm thinking that you are not listening to, listening to me with enough openness. This, you're going to have psychological gaps in your makeup. Don't you realize that? Or it could be that I turned on the radio to hear your show because I love to listen to you during my lunch period, and I only caught half the conversation. Oh, all right. Well, then you don't have psychological gaps. But don't let it happen again. I'll try not to. <laughs> You're right, because one of the things I wanted to see is if this little one could hear mom. If she could not only hear mom, but, but, 
but yeah, the, the majority of four-year-olds know what three is, especially if she's pushing five. And mom said she could go get three, which was impressive to me. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see. How much do you see, and it's just for my own edification, of the kids you work with, severe and profound hearing loss, how much do you see developmental delays in that or know that the, the hearing loss is predominantly the problem? Well, when they come in kindergarten, if they've had no language, no sign language or any kind of assistive device at home to help them, um, they're going to be probably two to three years behind. So they'll be five, but they'll act two, possibly three. And they'll crave language, but they have a lot of fits because they don't have any way to express themselves. You know, the only way to get anybody's attention is to act up and have a fit. So look at me. I want your attention over here. Um, when really what they want to say is, you know, I need water or something very simple. But they just learned. It's a learned behavior over the years that uh, where there hasn't been any communication, I, the only way to get your attention is to jump up and down and flail my arms and throw myself on the floor. And, and it could be two to three years behind. Delicate question. How is it, do you think, that these parents have not noticed this all these years? Um, it's really difficult. As a mother myself, right, um, having, having two kids, and actually, aside far, our oldest child, um, uh, I've actually spoken to you before, Dr. Our children are adopted, and our oldest child, they said to us he failed his hearing test at birth, and so we had to have him retested, and it was like, that's fine, you know, that's no big deal. I teach deaf and hard kids, we can... Handle, it, handle that. His hearing turned out to be fine, but the the reality is how, does, how do parents not know this? I can't imagine how because um, I, I was very acutely aware of it, I guess. I guess it was told to my face. But I think a lot of parents are so distracted these days, um, and I can't speak for 30 years ago. I've been teaching for 25 years, so I can't speak from before that. But, um, you know, they're so distracted with their own things and their own devices and their own vices and whatever else that sometimes they just miss the real obvious thing you know just um uh you know they said enough well you know your friend tells you oh he, he's only he's only four he only says three or four things you know what by the time my oldest son was two he was speaking in full paragraphs you know he he uh he had full sentences well under control so a, a four-year-old that's only saying a few things is a concern um, but, you know, maybe their friends said, oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Or they're, you know, they're... Um... I didn't know any mathematics till he was four at all. No, that, yeah, I know. But that's a lie, too. That's not the truth. Julie, thank you. I appreciate that. Good, good stuff. And uh, I add it to my information base here. And so when somebody else calls in, I sound smarter. And it's all because of you. Julie, thank you so much, dear. Fair. Thanks. You, too. Bye-bye. How shall we put this? William's calling in with somewhat of a identity problem and now don't don't jump to conclusions on what kind of identity william how are you sir i'm good how are you okay so tell me your scoop so um my wife is the breadwinner she's a, a successful nurse um and i i i just kind of do dumb labor stuff uh because i don't know i just never put through the effort to go through college uh, successfully. So 
I'm kind of in this position where uh, we're moving out to Texas and I have the opportunity to go stay at home, Dad. But part of me is going, well, how do you fulfill your traditional religious role as the, the head of the household, as the man? Uh, how do you do that as a stay-at-home position? So I'm kind of, I'm not sure which is wrapped up in machismo kind of masculine things and how much is actually the religious things you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Got it. We're having a little technical difficulties here, so I can't banter with you like I normally would. First of all, you said something I would immediately want to clarify. You said dumb labor stuff. I'm going to tell you what, my friend. Nowadays, quote-unquote, dumb labor stuff is smart. And furthermore, you can make one whale of a lot more with dumb labor stuff. We are hurting badly for people who can do things. That's one. But the other thing is your situation is one where your wife has the ability to make good money. Somebody can stay home with those kids. And you're fortunate enough that indeed you can do that. This has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with manhood. It has everything to do with a parent at home with those kids. So if it were me, I would probably thank God that my wife makes enough money that I can stay home and be a, an at-home parent. I would not... I, I personally... You can ignore me if you want. But I would not make myself feel any second citizen status because of that. Okay, okay. That, I mean, that does make me feel uh, a fair bit better. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Just, just normal, the normal man banter. It's like, oh, you're going to be at home. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to be at home. <laughs> yeah. Response to, to something like that where somebody's accusing you of that. You ready? You want to write this down? Okay. okay. It's going to be a little hard to spell, but you might want to write it down. Ah. Ah. You got that? H's or six H's. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. All right. What do we got? Okay. Look, you, you decided. See that, Tom? They just decided you weren't going to dump me. I know it. All right. Saved. Saved is right. I, I can't see this, though. My gosh. Um, break. Do, 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 do. Break. Oh, break time? All right. I'll take a break. I'll be back. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Do you have a bad temper? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. From the Old to the New Testament, Scripture speaks about us controlling our anger. Proverbs states that those of us with a hasty temper will make mistakes. We also know anger issues can lead to health issues. We can cause a fight, lose a friend, or witness to others in ways that are unproductive. Mayo Clinic suggests some ways to manage our anger and dial down the temperature of our anger. Practice deep breathing, maybe a personal timeout. Think before speaking. 
Calm down before discussing a concern. This will lead to less stress. Identify solutions and present them calmly. Try using humor or laugh at yourself. Humor can be a great diffuser. Most of all, if you have persistent anger issues at work or at home, don't be afraid to seek help. For more details on managing anger, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. That music play a little bit. Show you. All right. Anyway, good news, bad news. Um, first of all, I am not being fired. I've got at least one more day here because, in fact, many more than four of you called in. How kind of you to cover my back. Now, that the bad news is I can't get to all of you. So I'm just going to please you call back first. You're up next time. Uh, Marge from Canton, Ohio, is going to correct me. Anybody corrects me, they automatically jump the turnstiles. Hi, Marge. Good. Hi. I taught at St. Michael's, uh, the Archangel in Canton, Ohio. I think you know the area. I used to go to St. Michael's. Yes. Really? Yeah, back when I was in college. Okay. Um, this is an English uh, sentence that I wanted you to brush up on. And first of all, let's say that you said, please slice a piece of cake for me. Now that would be normal, and that's the way you would talk. But when you put a per- another person in with that, and you say, please slice a piece of cake for my wife, you still use me. And you have a tendency to use I at the end there. See if I got this right. I, I say, Please slice a piece of cake for. The pronoun me would be the objective pronoun, so it would be used in the preposition, which would be for me, right? Where, yeah, yes, Marge, right. Where I, I, yeah, where did I follow that up? You would say I, but that wasn't a sentence. You used a sentence that, that had the preposition between. Oh, you know what that could be, though? That could not be my ignorance. That could simply be a misstatement. Yeah, because after, if you say between my wife and me, you still need me, because between is your preposition. My wife and I. I'm talking about the end of the sentence. Oh. Well, you know, I just found out, I was looking up the most recent grammar rules, and indeed, you can now use a preposition to end a sentence with. You can do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> True, I was reading it. It updated grammar rules. I never used to be able to do that, but now I guess you can. Marge, thank you, dear. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's see what we got here real quick. Oh, Shane, uh, she's a female. 
Her daughter-in-law is practicing uh, a Montessori method for infants, and I gotta, I gotta express ignorance on that because I don't know exactly how the Montessori method would translate to infants. But where it translates for Shane is that she's not allowed to hold her granddaughter. Hi, Shane. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. Can't hold the kid. Well, they let me hold her once she warmed up to me. And I didn't know the rules at first because they, they they live in Montana. And so when I went to visit, you know, I couldn't wait to hold her. She's seven months old and we're just – so as soon as I got in, you know, she's playing on the floor by herself. And so I picked her up and I was like, oh, you're so sweet. You know, and she cried for a minute like, ah. But I'm like, oh, look, look at the birds, look. You know, and then we were like, oh, what's this? Oh, what did I bring you? Look, it's a new book. You know what I mean? And and got her all excited, and she warmed up to me real fast. Um, dare you pick her up? Right, right. How dare you? Well, all right, my dear, I'm being facetious. However, here's the simple response to your question. I don't know exactly, and you don't either, how your grandchild is being raised with what rules you said that so therefore try to be aware of what the rules are they may be ridiculous they may be some kind of enlightened parenting that is far beyond just a normal common sense approach so don't cause conflict and is this with your daughter or your daughter-in-law my daughter-in-law so i it's exactly what i did even more careful You better be even more careful. Uh, Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law is the number one common friction that I see over child rearing. So be careful. Make sure as best you can you can figure out what the rules are, even though you're thinking to yourself, boy, this is pretty ridiculous. Well, we had our was glad that they did explain it to me. And, you know, explained the Montessori, and, and, and I bit my lip, and I cried because I couldn't look at her when she ate uh, weird things. But they told me the rules. They even wrote out the rules and put them on the refrigerator for me. And so it's, I followed the rules to a T. But I just didn't know if what, what an expert in the field had to say about Montessori for infants. I don't understand Montessori for infants, but I do understand the new generation of parents who are really, really attempting to be psychologically correct in every kind of child rearing. And it's sad because it complicates the whole affair. It makes for friction between generations. And indeed, in the end, it's been my experience of 45 years as a psychologist. One, it doesn't make any difference. And two, sometimes it actually makes for kids who are more difficult to deal with. There you go. Tom, how am I doing for time? Two minutes? Oh, well, let me see one more if I can squeeze another one in here real quick. No? All right. No, don't anymore. All right. Thank you for joining me from the Win Free Hotel Hyatt in Birmingham. This is the radio conference coming up right after me, right in front of me right now, is David Andrews. The, be careful because the IQ thing is going to jump real quick here. It's going to go from 106 to 156. That's dangerous. That's truly dangerous. You're going to have to be debriefed. You're going to have to be decompressed. 
to rocket up that fast. You know how when they, they make you come up from the depths of the ocean and you got to get all the nitrogen out of your... Now, well, that's what's going to happen here. You got a lot of nitrogen you get in your the bends. system right now. Yes, <laughs> psychological bends is going right. to happen here. That's right. So I appreciate it so very, very much. Tomorrow, good Lord permitting, look back Friday. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to be back live on this microphone with you. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.